now that the new hall in at Scarif GA Centre here, where where our studio is situated, is pretty is almost ready. Um, it'll open the door literally to uh, the possibility of a lot more events. Indeed, and we're going to talk about one of them, aren't we? We are, indeed. <laughs> uh, so, um, Paul Brennan, not your first time here in the studio, but you are very, very welcome. Thank you very much. Okay. Now, Paul, uh, I suppose Kevin Dundon maybe thought he was the first uh, <laughs> in the uh, first act in the new um Hall here in which is a fabulous facility. I know you have you've gone through it. Yes, but uh, you're actually on a week before it. We decided to trump him and to uh, <laughs> to come in a week earlier. Yes, yes. with the midnight court. Yes, yeah, yeah. and so. that's. I mean, in this area in particular, the midnight court uh, should be very popular. Well, this is midnight court country, really. I mean, we're we're right in the middle of it. Yeah. The Merryman Tavern down the way is so named after the uh, the author of, of the original poem, The Midnight Court, written over 200 years ago. And um, What kind of a show is it? Well, um, <clears throat> what's the best word to describe it? Bawdy. Probably <laughs> 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 the best word to describe it. I can see those tickets flying out the door. <laughs> well, I mean, when I say that, I mean, it is regarded as a classic of Irish, early Irish, early modern Irish poetry, and it is, um, you know, part of our heritage, but it is also running a bit in that line. I mean, nothing that I think in this day and age will will cause immense um, upset or anything like that, Um, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, It's a comic um, satirising, as it were, of of, um, the Ashling poem, uh, such as it was written back in those um, in the 18th century, um, but it's it's a takeoff of that. It's not a it's not actually really an Ashling poem. In and it would have pushed the boundaries in its time. It certainly would. Yeah, I mean, both in terms of what it was a bit daring to say, in terms of the interchange between males and females, it's very much a men versus women, women versus men story. Oh, yeah. What what was Merriman at? <laughs> I mean, it's a debate that has gone on and it's been resurrected yeah. again. I know. Was he having a, a smile, a laugh, or was he engaging in a very serious question? That status of woman. Yes, he and was. How it had fallen from the Celtic days. Yeah, a very serious issue taken quite lightly. Absolutely, you could say. But absolutely. but often a light touch is a way to deal with a serious yeah. issue, and um, the way in which relations were between men and women at the time must have been such as would provo- provoke a man like Merriman to write what he yeah. wrote. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think he was at that. Um, he was also um, having a go at, the, 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 on the literary side, at, at, um, having a go at the Ashling poem yeah. um, in a way that's um, m- making a little bit of fun of it, I think without too much harm done. But wasn't he, wasn't he also, Jim and Paul, wasn't he also engaged in a serious question of the how the status of woman in Irish society had taken a fierce walloping since the Celtic days. And that here we have now coming into what was the age of enlightenment. Mm. Okay? And you're wondering how a guy from Fagel you know, <laughs> uh, could um, be tuned in to this mighty movement across Western Europe at the time and take up the cudgel on behalf of feminism. Yes, indeed. I'm, I'm saying. I'm saying, for me, Merriman was the first feminist. 
since Grainne Wales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What therefore, do you think? Therefore not the first, but certainly maybe the first man, actually. Yeah. yeah. And, um, oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the women come out better in it. I, I, spoiler alert, I know, but they, they actually do. <laughs> yeah. And um, so therefore, um, where his sympathies lay is pretty clear. So yeah. you're right. In, 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 to the but extent I suppose then it is, uh, it is a court and uh, the mm. chief judge is a woman. It's so, a goddess. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, you mentioned there a, a, a satire on a, an Ashling poem. For, mm. for the benefit of our listeners, what is an Ashling poem? Well, it's a certain formula. I mean, I don't know terribly well. I, I haven't studied it in any depth, but I, I gather that um, it involves um, a, a character, usually male, wandering in the countryside, then falling asleep, and then having this dream which in which... Um, gods and goddesses as well as ordinary people can appear um, and uh, wakening back up out of that dream enlightened. I mean, that's a very rough description of it. And that roughly is the passage of the Midnight Court as well. But the things that go on in the dream are a lot yeah. more earthy or as, as David Marcus who did the, our version of it in translation uh, called it salty was the word he used yes. to describe certain parts yeah. of the text. It was written originally Asquilga. Yeah, that's uh, right. Merriman wrote it in yeah. Irish. But uh, this, as you say, is a David Marcus translation. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Merriman wrote it in early modern Irish, which if you and I look at it, we, we can read it and we, we understand a good deal of it. Some of the words aren't used anymore. Some of them are obscure words. Um, sometimes uh, for, for poetical reasons, it's hard to make out. You couldn't really do it in, early, in the early modern Irish that it was originally written in, I think. If you did want to do it, Oscar, I think you'd have to modernise the Irish in order to to, um, to to do it. But then David Marcus came along in 1953, of all years, the year I was born, actually. Yes. <laughs> and he um, <clears throat> did this ribald version of it, which... Um, uh, at the time, I can't imagine that um, uh, the, the powers that be and the clergy in particular were, or the hierarchy, I should say, were, were terribly happy with what, what he wrote. Um, but nevertheless, he, he was a, a devil. He you know, didn't care <laughs> what he wrote and, and we, just we, put it down the way he felt it should be. We, we look at this guy. I mean, he really is an extraordinary, an extraordinary uh, uh, figure appearing on the landscape. This is the, the, the writer now? The, the writer, right, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, but he's using the, the material, perhaps, to get rid of certain things. The question about his own origin still remains unanswered. By Maryland's. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, that, you know, uh, are you in tuned into that one, Jim? The yeah, I, I have read it. I haven't, like David and the Ashley, or uh, I have, or Paul and the Ashley, I haven't done any, any great study on it, but no. just to well, read a little bit here and there. I'd tease you now. <laughs> oh, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> because Merriman was teasing quite a lot. If you look at the the sexuality question in this, okay, mm. um, he's making, in a sense, he's making a case for a return to the early Celtic, you know, woman status, which had undergone historically had been, right. you know, undergone a huge revolution, negative revolution, mm -hmm. so that we reach the the, the era, the seventeen the seventeen nineties or that thereabout at the time of the writing of it, okay. Mm -hmm. Here we have he's positing for us a consideration of the great position woman had from a sexual point of view and from the rights associated with that yeah. from the Celtic era. Yeah. And how in fact it had they they, they consider for example I was making some some points Earlier, when I was reading up about it, you know, 
It's a, po- a call to give back to women their rightful place in society. No, okay. Would you agree with that? I Power and authority. Yes, I think you're right, because we, we know from the Brehan laws, yeah. this body of laws which belong to that category you're talking about, yeah. that women did have um, rights which were since stripped away um, yeah. as a result of many changes in society. Um, but yeah, the Brehan law is entitled to women to... Um, to divorce has entitled them to certain property rights and so on and so forth. And um, do you know, Paul? Yeah. It's, it, it, no doubt at all about that. When you think about the position of women with regard to se- uh, sexuality mm. in the fifth century A.D., well, from a woman's point of view, superb. She could divorce, mm-hmm. and all she needed to do was be dissatisfied with the, the sexual performance of the husband and yes. the god. You know, I mean, yeah, that that. <laughs> But that's a fact. Yes. Uh, that was the Celtic system that Paul is talking about. Yes. Do you know? The actual a dissatisfaction that clearly persisted um, <coughs> down yeah, through the yeah. centuries. Impot- into imp- impotence. <laughs> impotence. <laughs> yes. And what was... Uh, uh, an, an old man getting married to a young woman. Okay. That's explored in, in your midnight court. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, give back to women their rightful place. In other words, put things into the hands of the women. And remarkably, that's exactly what has been happening in Britain politically in the last fortnight. Oh, <laughs> you know, I mean, remarkable, you know, echoing of, of some of the uh, call, cries or calls for status. Mm. You know? I'll tell you, Jim, now I tell you, uh, would you like the old Celtic uh, womanhood uh, status? Would yeah, you? I can see some of our male listeners choking in their cornflakes this morning <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to but um, no we're looking forward to, to, to the, tell us about the actual performance uh, who's well, in it Paul? well it's it's a one man play um, that we've come up with yeah I, I gather John you yourself took part in this, this I can't remember <laughs> <laughs> I saw you on stage <laughs> then. I a must have been, it must have been a, a spectre or a ghost <laughs> that passed through Right. But I've always been very interested in the uh, in the team. Mm. Yes. So the the um, the way we're doing it. I mean, when you did it, John, I imagine there were at least five or six actors involved. Yes. Um, but and that would be typical. Um, I know that Sean Gerald did a version, um, the, a musical version of it, and he had five or six performers as well, as well as a band. Um, but in our case, it's just, the story's being told by one single man. And the question arises, how can you get from one character to another, especially from male characters to female, yeah. and then back again, yeah. in a way that is going to be clear and not confusing, and, and that's going to be convincing. So we've had in our rehearsals to come up with a way of doing that, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, <laughs> <laughs> because um, it, that would be a spoiler. <clears throat> but I think it's one of the features of our show that we've come up with what I think is fairly a genius way of, of moving from character to character. And you'll see yourselves when you see the show what I mean. Um, but um, it, it has meant a lot of work a lot of um, head scratching over how are we going to do this in a way that that will convince that will make the audience feel like there are five people on stage even though there's only one yeah. and um, so yeah we've been working at that and so costume became the big thing then mm. um, with, with this production um, how we get from one character to the other and uh, we were very lucky to have a lady called Petra Brannock who lives up in Canvara who has done a lot of design for companies up in Galway like Deckard and Theatre Company and so mm. on so she's very experienced um, um, costume designer she did a great job fantastic job of, of work on that aspect and it really helps us to present the show in a way that I think is clear and entertaining so so what are we going to we're in the audience now for this mm. uh, what are we going to experience uh, I suppose um 
you go, you, well, you're going to experience um, in the first instance something of the beauty of County Clare. The place starts in this, the, the piece starts in this very calm, beautiful setting. The setting is, de- is described by the, the central character, who is Merryman himself. Um, but then suddenly there's a crack of thunder and light, flash of lightning, and we go into the Ashling part. We go into the dream, uh, the vision, if you like, and. Um, and that that becomes it becomes quite surreal. And David Marcus's um, uh, translation is is not concerned at all with um, uh, um, chronological things. Like, so there are anachronisms like references. At one point, weddings are mentioned, and he and he says, um, "What do we need with toppers and tails and limos?" You know, yes, because yes, limousines yes. didn't exist in the eighteenth century. But it, it, it's, it's it becomes so surreal that you can have anachronism without any problem, and um, and so the. Um, the fun of it, the surreal fun of it, if you like, um, spills out after um, that changeover into this, into the court, when it becomes mm. the court of this goddess presiding as the um, the judge over whether men or women should have the rights of it in, in various respects you've already mentioned. And um, so, and then uh, the, the way in which the the um, the um, one side and the other present their case is is highly comical and. Um, Full of slagging and full of um, yeah. all sorts of mudslinging, which um, yeah. um, I think an audience will enjoy enormously. And then at the end of the play, it, it, he wakes up and returns to this. Just to spoil it again, it, it returns to, to the countryside in which he started. Mm. And um, I suppose that's what you can expect. <laughs> it's, it's not. I mean, Merriman, for many people, he's not a fool by any means. No, no, no. The guy, mm. the guy, obviously has been in touch with the world outside of fecal. So we've tended over the years to consider it fecal, fecal being the bones of it all, but right. fecal only because of the actual, usual Ashling opening of pleasant countryside. And, okay, it's mm. a nice a nice situation to be falling asleep and then being transported wherever it is. No, yeah. Okay. He had second thoughts when the court case was over, <laughs> thinking. <laughs> but I mean, sure. he was a man in touch with, in fact, the way um, literature was going in Europe at the time. Okay, right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he he was a very progressive farmer. We know that much about him. Yes, uh, he won prizes. He for did the for RDS for medals. Yeah. And I wonder wonder where the RDS medals uh, right. for performance <laughs> of uh, uh, good f- growing. Uh, flax, that's what he got the medals for. Right. So he was in touch with the progressive side of yes. the. Um, yeah, and um, that that eventually comes through when you, when you reflect upon what he's talking about, you can see that oh God, he was he was a learned man and he was he had something yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I don't know if you remember John back back to the the fifties and sixties. When I was growing up as a kid, I remember seeing, reading in the newspaper statistics like that the Irish were the oldest marrying people in, in Europe. The average age for a man was 35 and for a woman was 28 or something yeah. like this. And it's like that, those problems that Mary Man talks about were still there in the 50s. Indeed. And, and, and the early 60s. And apropos that very, very thing, the, the, the marriage age for the woman in Celtic society would be about 14. And for right. a, Half what was yeah. in the 50s. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and that creates, of course, to its own problems. Uh, well, definitely, that creates <laughs> issues. Uh, yeah, indeed. If somebody indeed. is married at 14. Yeah. And the boy at 16 and made marriages. I oh, mean, yeah. it, it, it downplayed, in a sense, the significance of marriage in, in society, when you think about it. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
it wasn't made matches would suggest that love wouldn't have been the driving force whatever else it was right yeah. do you know or yeah. that love would come later well I do, yeah was that <laughs> if you're lucky <laughs> well, <laughs> well she sold that idea by whoever was you know um, mm. organising the, the affair yes mind you recently we were in Listonvarna in this, oh, right. and we had a, a live show from Listonvarna where at the the matchmaking festival right. so it's still it's still a, a a reason for a festival anyway, however many people still take it seriously or not. Yeah, no, it's still, still there, but, but it really was there back in, in the early 60s. And um, I think what was happening was a lot of old, very often farmers or yeah. other, other such people, um, were just not marrying um, young. And yeah. that was what was pushing the average up, was that a lot of um, uh, folk were just not, not getting around to it um, for reasons to do with inheritance maybe or to do with you yeah. know, various factors w- like would that. You, would you consider that that it gave rise that genuinely, like, I mean, the team is in the in the midnight quarter, it gave rise to the, the principle, not principle, but the reality of loveless marriages. Yes. Know, and and yeah. that comes through mm. in the part of the mari- of the midnight court that we didn't learn when we were going to the primary schools. You right, know, yes. Or, yeah. We got the. That's just an aside on that now for a minute. Anybody listening, I don't care what age they are, yeah. they'll be aware of the four, first four or five lines of an an uh, uh, you know, but now make sure now it's an ban trotur, it's an drut katron, and that can the culture government leave a very gun wheel essentially. Gallamachrin or a keen lochrania. And talav and cheer is here in the spare, Catania for heaving, Sevenus late, a bagger jagin, Arthurin Michaela. Sounds That's like an audition, learned. Paul. Huh? It sounds like an audition. So you're too late to part the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but but isn't it isn't it a lovely little piece? Lovely. That yeah, that, yeah. that piece was incorporated into our, I think it was the intercert. Irish poetry. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, right. But that, it stopped there. Oh, absolutely. Decades <laughs> later, realised that, was, you know, there was a lot more to it do than, than, than going to school. Half a century ago, and John remember this, we yeah. had the Merryman Summer School here oh, yes, yeah. in, in Scarif. And, and, you know, I know it continued maybe in West Clare as well, and he had associations with, I think, Milltown or, or that area there. Right. But, um, you know, wouldn't it be nice to think that, you know, we'd have a revival of interest in Merriman uh, back here? I mean, it's, you know, who was it? Seamus Heaney came, didn't he? And he did. officially opened the, yeah. the, the stone, which is beside Loch Rainey, on which some of those words are carved, John. Yeah, mind you, that, that, that stone had, had a couple of incarnations. By the way, De Valera, when he was in Lincoln Jail, Imagine, he <gasps> fell for it, you yeah. know, okay? Yeah. And he learned the plumbing thing off by heart in Oelig, you know. Yes. And he recited it. We've noted this historically. He, he, he cited, uh, recited for, for the other Irish uh, prisoners. prisoners. And I, two, two I, days later, yeah. he was, he was, he had escaped from... Yeah. They let him off, maybe. No, <laughs> I wonder. My, what I heard was that he learned it off in order to recite it to his wife. <laughs> yes, well, yes. I, heard, I read that somewhere, yeah. 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 <laughs> but anyway, Paul, hopefully um, this, I, I mean, 
it should go down very well. Hopefully, it yeah. hasn't been performed around here for quite some time. No. I, I can't remember when mm. the last time. Maybe it was back in the 80s. Yes, but, yeah. um, hopefully that, that we will, people will come from the highways and byways of East Clare to, to celebrate one of their own. Good, yes, hopefully, yeah. yeah we'll yeah. certainly do our best to oh, yeah. them. So now what day is again? It's the 19th of November, Saturday, the 19th of November, here in the GAA Hall. Saturday, 19th? 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock? Yeah. Okay. Posters aren't up yet, are they? Not yet, no, no, we're just, they're arriving today, I think, yeah. and uh, we'll, yeah. we'll have them out around the area um, shortly, and... Um, We'll be being in touch with people by yeah. social media. And so so they, they, uh, people can dream about it now. <laughs> and it's, it's come on the night, Paul. Uh, yes, that's the way we have it. That people just turn up on the night and we'll, we'll take their tenors off them gladly. <laughs> yes. A, t- a tenor, is that? Yeah. Oh, that's very Well, it's yeah. just an hour long show, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think that's fair enough. Yeah. Yes. So, and I mean, they, they will get to have a look at the fabulous centre that is has been created here. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, where, mm. Which can... As if which will have Kevin Dundon the following week. You should run guided tours. You might get another tenor. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Paul, we wish you all the best. We will keep okay. highlighting the uh, the show yeah. on on our programs bet- between now yeah. and and the nineteenth of November, and hopefully it will be big hit. And hopefully, maybe the the start of a, a revival in interest in in our mm. own local Brian Merriman. Great, good, okay. hopefully. Paul Brennan, many thanks for joining us today. Great to have you and uh, continue success with your work. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much, Paul.